I've got a question that just kind of came to me, something to think about. We sang this 506, channels only. What are you channeling? And I don't mean spirits, like evil spirits, but what is being channeled through your life? What, you know, is your interests and in things, if you start focusing on things, what is coming back out of your life? What is flowing through you? Then the second song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. I wonder in my own life sometimes, it's not that God has passed me by, it's that I'm not looking for Him because I'm plugged up. Now, there's a lot of pictures there, and I try to just think of something that maybe would grab everybody's attention that you have more than maybe just a little passing interest in, whether it's opposed or for an idea. Just, you, you just this one kind of just, you follow it a little closer. You know, the whole gay movement, stock market, Black Lives Matter, abortion, uh, this one, those two are together, that's climate change, hurricane in Florida, war in Ukraine, defund the police, uh, inflation, Republicans and Democrats. How many know who won the House? The Republicans did. By one or two, or no, they don't, I know it's not final yet, but barely won the House. How many know who won the Senate? Wow, I am impressed. It shows where some of my interest is at. The Republicans lost that one. You notice I said the Democrats didn't win. I said the Republicans lost. So that shows my level of interest. It's more than just passing. And for me, in my mind, it's more than just passing interest because what they do, what they decide, and some of the junk they that they throw out affects my everyday life. How many of you know if the California legislature is a supermajority or not? Uh, California? California legislator is a supermajority. The Democrats control the governorship and the, the assembly and the state senate. So they can do anything they want. And that affects me. There's more than likely something up there. How many of you guys even know who this guy is? Do you know what he believes he is? He believes he's God. Do you know why he believes he's God? Because his father believed he was God. And do you know why his father believed he was God? Because his father took over the country and either told people, you believe that I'm God or I'm going to put you to death. And that's the way this country operates. One of the blackest countries in the whole world. People live in about the, I don't know, maybe 1905 technology other than their nuclear weapons they're trying to figure out and launch and throw around. My point in this in all of this is not to discuss politics and movements and causes. My point in this is to recognize it doesn't, it's not very hard, it doesn't take very long for us to get drawn into these things and they begin to become more than just a passing interest. It's more than just opening the newspaper and oh, the Republicans won the House. It's, oh good, they won the House so maybe things can lighten up on the regulatory front so therefore I'll have more money to work with so therefore I can do more. You see, it begins to build. It's more than a passing interest. Now, if anybody has something else that is not on that screen, I'm sorry, but you can get the idea. Okay, now, our topic today is to everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under heaven, a time of war and a time of peace. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 8. Having an eternal perspective, aliens in an uncertain world. Now, that slide is really busy. How many of you can read all that very clearly? 
Not very clearly. That's exactly what happens when we start to get sucked into anything. And it doesn't have to be anything on the screen. Just when we become sucked into anything, then all this other stuff starts to lose focus. It starts to be hard to see. And then we start to cry out, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Where'd you go, God? I can't see you. There's fog between you and me. Where did you go? We lose focus. We lose perspective. So, how involved as a Christian should I be in various causes, movements, and the world's affairs? How much, how do we regulate this? How do we measure this? Because we all are interested or curious or just try to stay up to speed to, or whatever. Where are those lines drawn? How do I regulate my life so I'm not sucked in and begin to lose focus? And I just got a couple things that, that maybe some of you have heard you will hear it or something like this as you go through life. As, as people challenge you and want you to join their cause or their movement or they want to enter dialogue with you, let me give you just an easy illustration. I know you guys are not too far past the eligibility of the age to vote. But every election cycle, I run into people that want to engage in the topic of, of, of politics. And it always comes down to, do you vote, have you voted? Do you vote or have you voted? And if I say, no, I haven't and I'm not going to, well, they get a little stirred up about that. It matters to them because that's their focus, that's their emphasis. And you know, if I focus on politics long enough, I can even, I've been through this gyration in my own mind, in my own heart. How come I can't vote? What's wrong with voting? I'm an American citizen. It's a right that I have as an American citizen. And God elects the leadership of our country through the process of voting. So why not vote? And for me, that was a challenge. That was a tough one for me. And when I was sitting in your chairs, just a little, little um, hint for you guys. Any of these topics are not really great topics to engage the opposition side with your future mother-in-law. <laughs> See where experience came. <laughs> no, I did. I got her daughter. <laughs> so, okay, this is, this is all the, the, the logic and whatnot that the world uses on us to join any cause or movement or you know, anything like that or anything in the world's affairs. There's always justification why you should be part of it. Question is, what's the Bible say about how much we should be part of this kind of thing? Um, get your Bibles out. There's a number of verses. We're probably going to skip a lot of verses today. Um, what we have is I've got a there's this screen's got six of them. Just if uh, the first six of you find one of those verses or group of verses and just read them, read yours, and then I got a I got what I want out of that verse I want to talk about, and then we'll just go down the line. Okay? Daniel 1 8. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. I should have given no, you some, some help and notice ahead of time. For some reason, I can't flip yeah. the back. Okay. 
But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Okay. Daniel purposed in his heart. Now, Daniel is in a little different spot than any of you are in. Daniel was a slave. Daniel had no real options. If you remember the story, he had to petition the eunuch that was in charge of him, and the eunuch didn't want anything to do with it because it cost his life. So Daniel's in a lot tougher spot. Nothing is forcing you at the moment to join any of those causes. But Daniel, in spite of being a slave, in spite of having no right, he purposed that he was going to live as he had been taught is the correct way to live. You have all been raised and trained on kind of how you should believe, what's appropriate and what's not. There may come a time, guys, especially a draft. Ladies, there's conversation about the, the women being in a draft too. So don't think it's just the guy's problem. How are you going to answer? What are you going to stand on? Daniel purposed in his heart. If you want to purpose in your heart, you have to purpose before the crisis. Next verse. John 18, 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Okay. My kingdom is not of the, this world. If anybody had the authority and the ability to say that my kingdom is this world, it would have been Jesus Christ. He could have called legions of angels to pull him out of the, all that he went through. But what have we learned this week? That he came to do his Father's will. But that did not take away his authority to be able to do it if he wanted to. He chose not to because he loved us. But if anybody could have made the claim that I have the authority to, to take over, to be involved, to invest in the kingdom of this world, it would have been Jesus, and he backed away from it. He backed away from it out in the desert with Satan as well. Next verse. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly, fleshly lust which war against the soul. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lust. Fleshly lust is not just, um, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this, um, it's not just attractions, physical attractions between people. Fleshly lust can include a lot of things, like being a little overwrapped in politics or world movements or whatever. Those are all fleshly lust. Peter is pleading that we, are be, we would be strangers to that stuff. We really don't know much about it. And pilgrims, we're just passing by. And if we're just passing by, you know, just kind of like me, I really don't care very much about who the mayor is of Ellensburg. It could be a good person. It could be a horrible politician. But for me, I'm just passing through Ellensburg. I might stop and buy some gas and say, boy, the gas is high here because of the taxes, because of the mayor. But really, I don't really care. And that's what he's saying. There's things, it's okay to notice. You're, but remember, you are just passing through here. You're not staying here. This is not your home. He's pleading. That word besiege is pleading. Okay, next one. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Same two words, strangers and pilgrims, but Peter is pleading 
And the writer of Hebrews is giving a definitive statement that these men who were these men and women who were called faithful, they confessed it. That means they lived it. This is how they lived. This is how they made it into Hebrews chapter 11, is by living as strangers and pilgrims. So going back to Peter, I plead with you to do so because those that you are following, those pillars of the faith, that's how they did it. Next one. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Can you do that without looking at your Bible? Yeah. Just wondered. Entangled in the affairs of this life. Do you remember, I forget who it was of the Shaps talked about, I think it was Josh, you used the illustration, if, if you just had a, a spool of thread and you just, you know, come up here, you just wrap a string around, just pop, a couple strings, five strings, ten strings, but at some point it starts to hurt, at some point it starts to cut the flesh, and I quit, it hurts bad enough that I'm going to quit trying to break it. And the whole time that thing's just slowly wrapping. Imagine, if you will, you have an endless spool of thread on a, on a machine that's just going in a circle. It just never stops. And you put a hand in there, no big deal. Then you put another hand in there because I just want a little bit more. And it's just slowly, slowly wrapping. You don't really even feel it. Just slowly. No big deal. I can pull my arm out, pop, I'm free. But I kind of get interested again until all of a sudden I can't get free. Entanglement. In the affairs of this life. Okay, next one. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I counted all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So how did Paul view getting involved in all the movements and affairs and things of this life? How did he view it? He says it's worthless. I count it as a loss, but even more, more significantly, I count it as less than loss. He counts it as dung. Dung is just a byproduct that has to be dealt with. It's a burden. It's costly. There's nothing to be gained by it. It's just something that has to be dealt with. A loss, we can understand, you just, the loss is gone and you don't worry about it anymore. The dung just is something that's constantly having to be dealt with. So this is how Paul viewed the affairs and the, all the movements and stuff that happened in our world. This was Paul's view. Now, if anybody want, what does Paul say about himself? In 1 Corinthians 11, he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. If that's how Paul did it, would that not be a good way for us to do it? that I may win Christ. That's an earlier verse in Philippians 3. Paul's goal was that I may win Christ. A little bit later in Philippians 3, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul's chief goal in life was those two things, that he would win Christ and he would experience the resurrection. And he says, I'm going to do it by counting these things but lost. Now, that's not the whole, that is not the whole equation. That, that passage goes on further on how he did that. But that's not our topic this morning. So how involved does the Bible say we should be in all, whatever this, these things are? How much attention and time should we get to it? We can go back and start throwing our habits and our disciplines and our entertainments and our, just our simple pleasures in life. How much effect 
does that stuff have on us? You can throw all kinds of things back on that screen. It doesn't just have to be political or anything like that. So, because of that, because this is the standard that the Bible gives, let's think through about how do we kind of begin to control that? Because we just have an interest. So, how, how do I look at these things and then bring that back into my own life and say, okay, what do I need to personally be thinking about and controlling in order to get to here? Okay, we're not going to read all these verses. It's too much reading. I just, I just showing you this just to think about. You can read this on your own time. It's the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 and 6, and there's six of them, seven of them here. The first one is my emotions. When I become fixated on my emotions, then I begin to have problems, and I begin to just focus on whatever that whatever's causing the stir in my emotions. Same for my passions. The passions then have taken emotions to the next level. My rights. Anybody in our world today, isn't rights a big deal? I mean, you can, you can think that you're a cat today, and you have a right to think that, and you have a right to demand that I believe that of you. It's, it's silly, but that's where we're at. So how do I deal with that? And what's my allegiance? Who, who do I pay my allegiance to? My treasures. My focus. And ultimately, my kingdom, the kingdom that I am building with my life. What all these things are going to drive how entangled I get, how I view these things, how I work through these things, how disciplined I am with these things is going to determine how entangled I am. Because I will confess, as I look at this list and read down through those two chapters. I recognize there's a whole bunch of things in my life that should be but dung, or it, it may be worst case scenario as a loss, that I've got elevated significantly higher than that, and then I wonder, where'd God go? How come I can't feel His presence? How come I can't give it up? How come I can't just let something go, I just hang on to it? Ultimately, if we don't get this figured out, we end up with a plugged up heart. We can no longer function as a believer, as, we, as God wants us to, as we want to, unentangled, unencumbered, solely focused on the kingdom of Jesus Christ. What does the Lord say about all these movements and causes and things? He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is what? is not of the Father, but is of the world. He goes on the next verse and said, the world's going to pass away. Or maybe it's two verses later, I forget now. But he says all this stuff is going to go away. That interest that you have, that involvement you have, what is it going to gain anybody in the long run? What's it going to gain you personally in the long run? Join Black Lives Matter. Yay, yay, yay. And then what do I get out of it? Where does it take me? Is it taking me closer to Christ? First of all, I wouldn't join Black Lives Matter. It's a, it's a false movement. But anyway, um, my point in all that is it just takes us away from Jesus Christ. So, what kind of perspective should we have as an alien? I said we're pilgrims and strangers. That's the same word as an alien. How should I then view and have an eternal perspective as an alien. As we think about that, how do my daily choices affect my perspective? 
And then how does my perspective affect my daily choices? You see, my choices can change my perspective. As I get bought into movements and causes and things of the, of the world, it will change. As I buy into that stuff, I start to make choices, and that will change my perspective. As my perspective changes, then my choices change, which then changes my perspective, which changes my choices, which changes my perspective, which changes... You getting the idea? Okay. I, didn't know, I hope I didn't have to go through that too many times. Okay, so we want to have an eternal perspective as an alien. Okay, who's got the mic? Okay, you're, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 17. I've got it on the screen if you want to read it from there. Verse 17 down to 21. Can we read all of them? Chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given us, given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit God, to wit God that God was of, was in Christ, reconciling the word world unto him, not in putting their transpasses unto them in the, and hath committed unto us the world of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled of God, for he hath made, made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the reconciliation the righteousness of God in him. Thank you. There's one little phrase that I want out of there. It's, I put all these in because that is all one conjunctive thought. But the, I want one phrase out of there, and that is that one. If you want an eternal perspective on how you deal with being an alien or a stranger and a pilgrim, you have to allow yourself to get here. You have to be an ambassador for the Lord, an ambassador for Christ. And it says the reason we ought, why, if we go back into those verses, the reason we are called to be an ambassador is because we have a ministry. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We have a message. We have an audience. We have a need. And to do that, we have to be an ambassador. Now, being an ambassador is a full consuming job. If you are an ambassador, that is your job, that is your life, that's who you become. If the American ambassador to Russia walked in this room right now, we would address him as Mr. Ambassador. It would become his identity. Just like you would address the president as Mr. President. That is their identity. What is our identity? Merle, what's, what was our identity? Inviting in the vine, our identity is Jesus Christ, right? That is our identity. That's who we are to represent. So when we are ambassadors for Christ, that has to be who we become like him. He has to be in us in order to do this. So let's think about what does it mean to be an ambassador? We want to, because as we think about the distinctive roles that an ambassador has, that will tell us how we live, how we make choices, and how involved we get in other stuff. Number one, an ambassador is a representative for his government. 
Um, just keep the mic moving. There's, there's verses on these. I'm, let's just grab, say, the top two. And then when we go to the next slide, we'll grab a couple. Um, but let, just a minute. The ambassador is a representative of his government. Okay, so the American ambassador to Russia represents the American government. When he goes in and has a meeting with the Russian authorities, they address him as if he is the United States. Because what he says speaks for the United States. Everything about him is the United States. But he lives, he's in Russia. That's where the embassy's at. So he is the American representative in the nation of Russia. That's how we're to be. A representative, as an ambassador for Christ, we are a representative of our government, of our kingdom, of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Read the first two. Romans 6. Romans 6, 16. Romans 6, 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servant, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Just go ahead and grab the next one. Ephesians 4, 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Okay. His servants you are to whom you obey. You obey where your passions are. You obey what's in your heart. You obey what's in your mind. When they become distracted, you start to go that way, whether it's of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. As representatives, we are servants, we are slaves of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And we need to not forget that, that we are on a mission. We have a purpose, and we are representatives. Ephesians 4 says we're to walk worthy of that. That means walk responsibly as a slave of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Act like it. Be interested in the things of the kingdom. I press toward the mark that's solely focused on the things of this kingdom. Show forth the praises of him. We're representing the kingdom of Christ. As a representative, do I reflect Christ? If I walk in the room, does someone say a representative of Jesus Christ just walked in the room by my countenance, by my bearing, by how what I say or don't say, where I go and don't go, what I do and don't do? Does everything about my life portray and glorify Jesus Christ? If it does not, then we're not acting as an ambassador. The next one, let's just grab the first couple, ver oh, point in this, do people see Christ in my life? The next one is he's a messenger between the two countries. Let's grab, um, let's, I don't, it doesn't matter, let me see here. Let's just do the first one and the third one. Matthew 5:16 Let your light so shine before men that they know that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Good. Philippians 4:6 Is that what you got? If you don't have that read another one. I don't. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The role of an ambassador, the American ambassador in Russia, his role is to be a messenger boy. A very high-powered, high-priced, hopefully very effective messenger boy. 
The State Department of the U.S. will get a message from President Joe Biden, and they will then call the ambassador and say, Mr. Ambassador, we want you to have a meeting with Mr. Putin and tell him we do not like him invading Ukraine. Mr. Ambassador packs up and he has a meeting with Mr. Putin and he goes in and says, Mr. Putin, the United St as, a, as a representative of the United States, we do not like you doing what you're doing in Ukraine. Mr. Putin says, tough luck. <laughs> Mr. Ambassador goes back to the embassy, calls the State Department and said, Mr. Putin said, tough luck. The State Department calls Mr. President Biden, tough luck. <laughs> you get the point. He is a messenger boy. As a representative, he's a, he's a representative mailman. That is his role. It's because back when they designed all this years and years ago, communication wasn't very effective. They didn't have cell phones and fax machines and internet. And so what would happen is they would put an ambassador over there that could speak on behalf of the country even without direct communication with the country. He was enough of a representative, America, Russia, say. The American ambassador in Russia was enough of a representative of the U.S. government that essentially he was the government. He could answer directly to the president of Russia without communicating with the president of the U.S. because it, that letter was on a slow boat back and forth. So he did have the authority to make statements and claims on behalf of his government. It's a powerful, powerful position. Young folks, that's what we are. We are God's mailmen. Our job is to pass messages on to the people around us. That's what we did yesterday. We passed on the message of the ministry of reconciliation, that anybody can be reconciled to God if they want to place their faith in Jesus Christ, because he is sufficient to fill the needs they have of salvation. There's no other way to get it. That's being a messenger boy. It's being a mailman. But mail goes two directions, right? Well, we have a further responsibility. Take a look at this third one. Don't worry. Give your request to God. We take those needs. We did it last night, did we not? We did an Asian prayer meeting. The people you met had problems. They had challenges. They had needs. They had all kinds of things. And you knew what those were. And you shared, a, all of you shared a little bit. But I can't remember 42 different needs. I have trouble remembering two. But you had your two, and you had your two, and you had your two. And we all stood up and prayed about our two all at the same time. We were being messenger boys back to our home kingdom. Because we went out in the world and we heard their message and we took it back to God because we can't deal with it. I can't get one of those addicts off the street. I can't cure them of their, their desire. But I know the one that can. And my job is to take that message back to him. Ultimately, I'd like to ask us the question, how reliable am I as being God's messenger boy? Am I very reliable? How often do I share the gospel? Be the messenger boy, share the message. And then how often do I take the message I get from them and take it back to God? How many of you have a hard time remembering things you say you're going to pray for? I do too. I can tell a lot of people I'll pray for them and I remember it about as long as it takes me to walk out of the room sometimes. There's something that we can do about that. This is a side note. If you struggle to remember, one thing that has been impressive to me 
is when someone shares a need, and I'm sure you did it yesterday, I know you did because you said you did, pray with them on the spot. Why do we have to tell them we will pray for them? Let's just do. Well, just a few minutes before we started, I was standing right back there by Anthony, and Merle walked in the room, and he just grabbed my arm and started praying. He didn't say a word. He just prayed for me. He didn't say, hey, let's go pray, or hey, I've been praying for you, or hey, I will pray for you once you get started. He just did it. Isn't that more effective? Plus, doesn't that bring encouragement to the one that has the need? Made me feel better that somebody else has my back. Somebody else is playing messenger boy because I've got a little bit of a problem. I've got to talk to give. I've got to remember what I thought about. The ambassador's allegiance is to his, own, his home country. You know, okay, let's game this out of what this looks like. The American ambassador in Russia, Russia has declared war on Ukraine. Now, would you, what do you think would happen if the American ambassador in Russia was sending out emails and tweets and all kinds of communication and, and doing uh, um, uh, TV interviews and getting it on the news? Hey, I'm calling all American boys to come to Russia to join the cause to defeat Ukraine. Well, the President of the United States has not been threatening war. The Congress of the United States, who has the authority to declare war, has not declared war. So that ambassador would be way out of line to start calling American boys to go to Russia or Ukraine, whichever, but calling boys to come and fight in a war that's not our own. You'd say, that's dumb. He would never do that. Do we? Do we know who, where our allegiance is? You know, it'd be pretty easy for that ambassador to get caught up in the affairs of that country. That country's at war. And maybe that American ambassador knows some Russian families who have young men who have died on the front in Ukraine. Whether the cause, I'm not talking about the worthiness of the cause or who should be doing what. My point is, maybe that, maybe that American ambassador has some emotional attachment because there's people that he knows that have gotten hurt over this deal. Maybe, maybe some of his family members are tied into this thing. And he gets upset and he gets angry and he starts sending out calls for Americans to come. We say, he got, he got way too invested. It's not his country. It's not his problem. Well, okay, let's grab, uh, let's do 2 Timothy 4 and Romans 12, 2. No one, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Good job. You did it without looking at your Bible. That should have been one of them. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you want to know how entangled to get in something, just ask yourself, is my involvement, my emotional investment, all this stuff, is it going to please God? Is my involvement in politics or whatever it is up there on that screen, is that going to ultimately bring pleasure to God that I'm all wrapped up? Well, you know, let me, let's just think about that. Okay, I would be a conservative. I don't think there's, that doesn't take much stretch. I'm a conservative person. Okay, so that means that I'm probably going to prefer one political party over another, correct? And maybe I even pray a little red. That's called maybe pray Republican. 
Maybe I do that. But let me ask you this. What if it's God's plan that the Democrats take over all control and run this thing, in the, run it in the ground? What if that is part of God's eternal plan to bring about the, well, all the calamity we read about in uh, Revelations? What if Daniel would have been praying that the Babylonians would just be able to stay in power forever because Nebuchadnezzar was pretty good to Daniel. Daniel had a good relationship with Nebuchadnezzar. I believe we may very well meet Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. God took him seven years out like eating like a cow. And when he woke up from that, he was a changed man. So Daniel, in his prayers, I'm sure he prayed for his king. But was Daniel so invested that when they were invaded by the Medes and Persians, he picked up a sword and went to battle? He did not. Because, you know, through that process, then along came Cyrus, a man who was prophesied long by name before he was born. And guess what he did? He sent Nehemiah back to build the wall. Well, if Daniel would have invested in the kingdom of Babylon that hard, he was in direct opposition to God's plan. We know God's plan for us. God's plan is that we place our faith in Jesus Christ and we walk like it. And we live out and remember our allegiance. That is God's plan for me. I don't know God's plan for the U.S. government. I know what I'd like God's plan to be, but it's not up to me. So I could find myself very quickly getting involved in causes and movements and whatever it is, very quickly being in opposition, direct opposition to God's plan. And that is not a happy spot to be. Does my life accurately reflect my, allegiances to the, my allegiance to the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Is every choice I make based on the fact that I am a Christian and I am a servant of Jesus Christ, I belong to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and everything else is secondary? Next one. The embassy is not his home. The embassy is not his home. The Russian ambassador may be an ambassador for a lot of years. He is appointed by the president, but oftentimes those ambassadors don't change from one administration to, the, to another. They might sometimes in certain situations, but a lot of times they just kind of roll over. They're in place, they understand the culture, they know who they're talking to. It's more valuable to leave your opponent's ambassador in place than it is to put your own in because it's going to take them a while to get up to speed. But do you think the American ambassador in Russia is investing heavily in Russia? And he's building, he's building houses and, and buying businesses and doing all this stuff in Russia. Well, that would be silly because it's not his home. One phone call and he's done in Russia. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But brother, or young folks, think about this. Do we do the same? Do we do that in our real lives? Do we build our kingdom in this world and we overbuild it? You know, you look at this. Transportation is a basic need, right? In our world, a home, a roof over our head is a basic need. Our church is a basic fundamental need that we have as believers, right? But how often do we, and I'm not picking on whatever church this is, but is that church going to be more, more effective and glorify God better than this woodshed that's out here in the back or the pump house or whatever's back there? No, a group of believers in there can be as effective, if not more so, than in that monster. Now, I'm not finding fault with nice homes or nice cars. That's not my point. 
but how heavily do we invest and become consumed by the stuff here? And then it becomes a distraction. And I've come into bondage because I can't afford any of that. And interest rates are going up. And COVID hits and I got laid off for a while. And I'm drowning in my debt. Now what? Now what's your focus? You're headed for bankruptcy. Is that not going to be a pretty consuming thing? How do you be an effective messenger in the, for the kingdom of Christ if you're going through bankruptcy? Or if you're wondering if you're going to make next month's house payment. And I better get another job and work 20 hours a day. You see, we just, we just bring ourselves into bondage. This embassy is not our home. You know, I'm going to... I'm out of time. We're not going to read all these verses. I'm just give you the, kind of sum that up. Our choices will determine our master. Remember back to the first presentation? Our choices can determine our destiny. Well, it determines our master too. And Paul says, I'm not going to be brought under the power of any of those things. It doesn't, doesn't mean that Paul didn't have a four-wheel drive mule. Okay? It doesn't mean that Paul didn't have on the, the latest, greatest shoes because he did all this walking or whatever. It doesn't mean we can't utilize stuff. But how much value do we place in it? How much of our life is consumed building my kingdom, my empire? Guys, this is the business world question. How much is enough? When is enough enough? When does enough become bondage? Ultimately, does my life and my choices reflect the glory of Christ in me or the glory of self on display? Christ in me or the glory of me? Which is it? It's one or the other. It can't be both. The next one. The American ambassador is, or the ambassador is responsible for the embassy and the staff. The American embassy in Russia is American property. When you step foot... Inside the grounds of the American Embassy, you are on American soil. In Washington, D.C., you step on the Russian Embassy, you are on Russian soil. That is sacred ground in a foreign country. For those of you who have done foreign travel, you get stuck in a country, you want to know where the Embassy's at because that's home. That's safe. The bad guys can't come get you there. That's why periodically these bad guys blow up embassies. Because that embassy belongs to someone else. That is American, in, in Russian case, that is an American embassy. The ambassador is responsible for the safety of that property and every single living person inside of it. And there's a lot of people in these embassies. Not just five like that picture. Seven. Not seven like that picture. Maybe a couple of hundred. Depending on where they're at and how important that country is. To show you the level of importance of an embassy in the eyes of the American government, they are protected by one of the most elite groups of military forces in the world. Because that is American territory in a foreign country. Those are guys nobody messes with unless they want to die. That's how big of a deal it is that that embassy is protected and the ambassador is in charge of all that. He is in charge of protecting everybody inside. Is he carrying a gun? No, he's not. But he's making sure his troops have the guns they need and the stuff they need in order to protect it. Because he's got a lot of people he's responsible for. I think you can see the illustration there. As believers, we have responsibility too. Guys, we are watchmen on the walls. 
That is our job. We are watchmen on the walls because it's not if the enemy's going to come, it's when he's coming. And beyond that, we get wounded warriors up there sometimes. And then there's a gap. Sometimes the wall gets a hole punched in it. It's our job to crawl in that hole and die in that hole because of who we're protecting. I'd like you to imagine something. I think some of you Modesto guys saw this slide. I didn't have the picture of a, Ro a Roman soldier with his spear out facing the enemy. And he's facing the enemy over there. And, and Dean had this. And he says, what's behind the Roman soldier? And he had a picture of the Roman soldier's wife and the Roman soldier's children. The problem is, guys, sometimes we turn that around. We get our habits, our disciplines out of whack. We get our affections and lusts out of whack. We get sucked into this stuff, and the enemy becomes our friend. And we turn around, and we're pointing our spear back at our family to protect our enemy. It's called a bad habit. It's called a bad discipline. It's called being sucked into affections and lusts of this world. It's going to die, and we hurt the very ones that we're supposed to be protecting. Those men over there are someday going to be the soldier that's standing in front of you and your children. Now, I'd like to ask you, how much do you care about how tied up he is and all this other junk? How much does it matter to you what his habits and disciplines are? How much does it matter to you what his affections and lusts are? It matters a lot because it determines whether the spear is pointed at the enemy or pointed at you. There's nothing worse or longer in life than a bad marriage. It's tough. It's hard. And much of that is driven by getting involved in this junk that we talked about earlier. We get sucked in. We get bought in. We begin to make bad choices. It changes our perspective. And we lose track of who the enemy is. Are my choices making it easier for others to see and get to Christ, including my wife and my children? Especially them, my brothers and sisters in the church. We're all a family here today. Is it possible that my choices are affecting some of you? And I've pointed my spear at you. Say, so you're not going to get too close. When Merle's up there having an altar call, and we're talking about killing the sin of uh, the, the killing self. Am I getting my spear turned around and say, Merle's getting too close, and I'm backing away and jabbing at him with a spear? Go away. Leave me alone. He can be run out or called home at any time. The American ambassador is one phone call away from not being in Russia. I don't think, the Amer I don't think he's been returned. When Russia invaded Ukraine, the American ambassador was called home. That is a symbol of war. In the real world, you call your ambassador home, the next thing is guns firing in real life. The American ambassador was called home at the start of the Ukraine war. I don't know if he's been restored or not. It's possible, but I don't know that. But he's one phone call away from going home. The Russian government can request he be sent home. He's not a good guy. He's just interfering with things. He will not cooperate. And they begin to put pressure on the American government because the Russian government can't directly send him home. 
but they can put pressure on the American government to get him recalled. One phone call from the State Department, he's packing his bags and he's going home and he is no longer the ambassador of the United States government, or the, of the American government. That's how we are to live every single day. This is a reality, it goes clear back to our first talk, this is a reality that every one of us face each and every day. We are one second away from this scenario. Dying. That's how this happens in our lives. Through death. We are one heartbeat from that. We are one heartbeat from destiny. So what choice will you make in this heartbeat? Because it's the only one you got. That American ambassador doesn't live in fear. But he lives with a reality that he may not be ambassador tomorrow. We may not be an ambassador tomorrow either because we may not be here. That is a definitive reality that we need to keep in mind. And that's what helps keep, keep us from getting hung up on all that other junk. What's Jesus say? Fear that not them, but fear him. Don't fear the ones that can put your body to death, but fear the one that can cast your soul into, into hell. That's the one to fear. That's the one to live for. What's the body? What's death? We talked about this. Death is just the doorway to destiny. This is a big one I would like to hit really quick. The world does hate you. The world really does hate you. They talk nice. They smile nice. They want to do business with you because that's in their best interest to get your money or help them make money or whatever the case may be. But the world really does hate you. Why do they hate you? Because they, they hate everything you stand for because the God of this world, according to Romans 8, is opposed to everything about God. The carnal mind is enmity. Enmity against God. That means he hates God. Everything the God of this world stands for hates is, is hatred toward God. What's Jesus say? Marvel not that they hate you. Why? Because they hated me first. The world really does hate you. All those causes, all those reasons to get involved is a lie. What they care about is you dying for them. They want your money, they want your life, they want your passion, they want your youthful enthusiasm and zeal and energy. They want all that from you. And you know what they get back? They give nothing back. True story. We talked about it just a little bit in the van yesterday. And I forget the gal's name that decided that she was a he and went through all the steps to become a he in the process of time became a believer recognized that he wasn't really a he but he was really a she and there was something that she there was a comment that she made regarding all of that that really struck me when she was becoming a he she had friends she had help she had doctors that would answer her phone calls she had a support group she had everything. She was a hero. When she decided to go back and be who she really was, she couldn't get a doctor to take her phone call. If I'm, was that about how that story went, Laurie? She was alone. 
There was no blogs. There was no tweets. There was no websites. There was no information. There was nothing. She went from hero to zero. Now she is in the process to finish the story. She's in the process of creating help groups for these people that try to finally come to the truth. The world hates you. They want you. And when you wake up, you get invested in a cause and you wake up and find out that's not from you, for you, you will go from hero to zero that quick. And this, in the case of this lady, she has done irreversible, irreparable harm to her body. She will never be what she was before, but she does have her identity back. And that is the most important thing. Body parts are secondary. The she is now a she because she was born a she. And that is invaluable to her. But oh, the price that she had to pay for that because she got sucked in to some of that garbage we talked about up front. Ultimately, am I living as an ambassador with an eternal perspective ready to go home today? Ready for that call home today? Back to this slide. I wish we, had, we could just start calling out what picture would you put up there? Because that would be fascinating because my perspective of what attracts me or what I notice or what I, and what I perceive you, some of you could notice, may be different than reality. Maybe some of you, maybe, maybe over here, it's sports. I didn't put any sport. I didn't put one sports thing on there. How did I miss that one? Anybody get maybe just a little carried away with sports? Get a little wrapped up with sports? Yeah. How did I miss that? That's like missing the elephant in the room. Good night. I expect you to know who this guy was, and I missed who the Seahawks aren't. Wow. What's that? Well, like I said, I was putting this together. Actually, this slide got, well, it, no, that doesn't matter. Just put your own picture up there, Russell. If fashion magazines are your problem, <laughs> put them up there. Which shade of chartreuse you like? Is that, a, is that a color? That is a color, right? Periwinkle, I know that's a color. Which shade of periwinkle you like? You can put it up there. Okay, you get my point. It doesn't, I mean, you can, and we start laughing. We laugh about that, but there's people that are fixated on that. How about Hollywood? I didn't put any entertainment stuff up there either. Anybody kind of follow along with who's marrying who and divorcing who and having whose child? What's um, Tom Brady and Giselle? Anybody aware of that? Nobody is aware of that. Okay. <laughs> wow. Mr. Football Stud, all-time hero football, married superstar, married for 13, 14 years, going through a divorce, and you ladies didn't know that. Wow. Okay, you get the point. It's so easy. I mean, we could start, I could start telling stories up here and draw all of you into that story, right? Because I could embellish it and make it interesting and fun, and pretty soon everybody's drawn into the story. It's that easy. These people that want your life, it's that easy for them too. The lady that started this movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, received millions and millions and millions of dollars from supporters. And they can't find the money. 
and she's got a monster house and she is portraying that she is an abused poor little black lady at the hands of white police. She scammed them all. And I guess it still remains in doubt as to whether it was legal or not. But she's got the money and the house and the car and the goods right now. It's that easy. You get a good story and you get people sucked into your cause. Young folks, we have one cause. Just one. And that is to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our cause. We live for that cause and we die for that cause. That's it. Put your own picture up there. If it's drawing you in, it's time to cut that string. Because it will consume you and it will distract you and wreck your role as an ambassador. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting all that junk which is behind me and reaching forth unto those things which are before me. That's Jesus Christ. That is being in the presence of Jesus Christ and Him being my sufficiency. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That eternal destiny of eternal life, that's the prize. In the presence of Jesus Christ, let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if, anything, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God will reveal this to you. We've had a lot of revelations here this week because the Holy Spirit is here and working. That's our goal. And if the Spirit has laid something on your heart, on your mind, that's drawing you in, may not even be a sinful thing. We just start to overconsume. Football is not a sinful thing in and of itself, right? But it draws us in. Politics, but it draws us in. We are, we are aliens in an uncertain world.